Welcome, Rink Rats, to this Blackhawks Hockey Ringcast episode 19, exclusively sponsored by the premium hockey outfitters at pawhockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Use that discount code, The Rink, to get 10% off all of your orders. And if some of you will remember this week, Mr. Patrick Judge from the band Demon Hunter posted a picture wearing a puck hockey shirt, which was the Marion Hosa. Uh, the Marion Hosa one, which is now actually uh, not available anymore, but they do have some other ones that are Marion Hosa uh, themed shirts. So go check that out. Uh, so today is Tuesday, April 3rd, 2018. I am Jeff Osborne, better known on the interwebs as the gatekeeper. What's up, jerks? And I'm joined by my, I am joined again by my good friend, co-host and fellow grumpy old guy. Welcome back, Mr. John Jekyll. Gabe, the question remains open. Why do you hate America? <laughs> I hate baseball. That's why. That's You it's, hate America. It's just a baseball. thing. Yeah, it is. It is. Then again, I only like baseball and the Sox are good. So <laughs> I guess that makes me a fair weather America hater. Yeah, yeah. You know how it goes. All of us Chicago fans, we're all on the bandwagon, right? I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Seriously, these potato heads have to be the unsexiest mob of all time. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. So, um, we had a lot go on. You, you were you were enjoying your trip. How was your trip, your vacation? Uh, it was incredibly relaxing. Um, you know, it was like 75 degrees and a little breezy. So, you know, which is great for somebody like me who has basically translucent skin. Um, <laughs> you know, um, it was and it was good. It was relaxing. Got to spend some quality time with a couple of my kids. One of them couldn't make the trip. Cause it's lacrosse season and he's, he's dedicated to the lacrosse. So, um, yeah, I mean, but it was, it was nice. It's good to be back. It's good to be back on, uh, back in the ring cast, man. I'm, I'm like full of, I'm full of anger and rage. I want to spew it all over the airwaves right now. <laughs> Whoa. Hello. 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 Uh, phrasing. Uh, don't go there. <laughs> yeah. So you were away. I was away. I think people are a little more familiar with where I was at. Uh, I was in Denver for the weekend. I was I had tri- planned the trip earlier in the season to go watch the Blackhawks play against the Avs. Uh, not you know figuring that either the Blackhawks would be in the playoffs and it wouldn't mean anything, or the Blackhawks more likely would be out of the playoffs and it wouldn't mean anything. But uh, it was a good time. It was uh, uh, you know get to spend some time with our, our boy Aaron Goldschmidt, um, nice. the guys from the Talking Hawks podcast out there. We uh we actually got to watch Colin Delia's uh and we will talk about this uh his NHL debut at a Chicago the only Chicago bar in Denver called Wyman's. Nice. Yeah, and uh, you know just checking out the city. It's it's a beautiful city. Uh, if anyone gets a chance to go out there, go out there and visit it because Denver is beautiful. Except the airport is about seven hours from the city. <laughs> it wasn't that. It's fantastic. It wasn't too bad. Uh, we kind of stayed halfway between like the airport and downtown. And uh, it was about a 14, 15 minute drive from our hotel to the airport. And then it was about another 15 minute drive to downtown from where we were at. So not too shabby. But uh, yeah, I, I suggest anyone go out there. And if you the area around the rink and the rink itself, the scoreboard's awesome. They got this big, huge, like HD jumbotron where you, they show you all the replays. Unlike the United Center, where you got to watch it on some little tiny screen. Uh, you know, there's lots of bars. It's, it's a lot like uh, 
you know, John and I were kind of talking about this a little bit uh, ahead of, ahead of time. Um, like in Columbus, how there's like a little district around the the, the yep. stadium, and in Dallas, there's a little district around the stadium where there's bars and restaurants, and you can go hang out, have a good time. Instead of like the United Center, where it's like if you're not inside the United Center, the war zone around the around the arena. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're not in the United Center or in line to get in the United Center, it's a free for all. Like you're you're on your own. And, uh, right. you know, these places like you park, you can hang around and there's courtyards and there's all kinds of areas, you know, nice areas to hang out. We, we parked in a garage across the street from the stadium for like $6 for the entire time. Yeah. That's it was crazy. One block away. Yeah. And we ate a hey, Columbus parking 15 bucks. Like, yeah, a block from the arena. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's just a whole different experience. I mean, it's the difference between a, you know, a smaller or more of a, you know, a newer city versus, you know, a bigger, older, you know, northern city. It's just, it's how it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really nice out there though. Like I said, Chicago fans or any fans that listen to us, if you get a chance to go out to Denver to go see a game or just hang out and, and sightsee because the sightseeing is amazing as well. You go, we went oh, yeah. to Lookout Mountain. We went to the yeah. uh, Garden of the Gods, which, you know, people that are local know what that is or people have been there just amazing places to, to visit and we got to go to the zoo we, we we had kind of a hookup so we got like a special behind the scenes tour of some of the things in the, uh in the zoo and so yeah there's a lot of cool stuff going on in denver and uh if you get a chance i, I want to go back out in the summer when the weather's even nicer and uh enjoy it but um hey who knows maybe someday it could be a landing spot for the uh the keeper family fantastic so back on the uh, back on the subject at hand, the Blackhawks. Blackhawks. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Blackhawks. I, I, our voices all go down when we talk about the Blackhawks now. <laughs> it's not it's not what it used to be. You know what I mean? No, it's you know it's funny. My my wife, who is a Columbus Blue Jackets fan, by the way, um, was asking me at dinner tonight. You know, like what we're going to talk about tonight, and she goes, "Well, when was the last time the Blackhawks like?" kind of didn't have a good team and I was like it was 10 years ago and she goes well is this is this team any different from that team I'm like yeah that team was clearly trending upward I mean they had superstars on the rise who were coming into their prime this is a little different you know this is like you know that you know in 2008 the end of the season 2008 there was a lot to be excited about you know Mm -hmm. um I think that was the summer that they signed uh Campbell too yeah if I'm not mistaken Campbell and Hosa Uh, yeah, uh, host was two thousand nine. Uh, yeah, okay, um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, but uh, still, I mean, it, it was. And this is different. I mean, this there's a lot of open questions around this team, many of which we're going to explore tonight. If you'll stay with us, yeah, here hang on in there. So, um, yeah, um, it's just you know, it's there's it's it's hard to feel. I mean, I, I, hey, there's some people out there who are really excited and think everything's great and looking great for next year. Hey, God bless you. Um, I can't share your enthusiasm. Um, I'm not, I'm not resigned to it being a disaster next year, but I, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of open questions. And again, we're going to, we're going to go through some of that tonight. Open questions and open wounds. How about that? Yeah. Open jobs. <laughs> yeah. That, that too. All, all of the above. Yep. This franchise is effing screwed. <laughs> Back in the box, Liz. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that with us. <laughs> so, um, well, let's see. You know, the last uh, ten games, the Blackhawks are three, five, and two. Um, they got three games left to play. 
uh, this week. They'll be done, what, Saturday night, Sunday night? Saturday or Sunday is the last game. And uh, then season over for for, for uh, the Blackhawks. I mean, uh, game over, man. It's game over. It's game over, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is gonna it's gonna be weird, you know that that they're uh, there was that one year where they almost missed the playoffs and they got you know they got done a solid and were able to sneak in at the last minute. Yeah, but, 2011. Yeah, but I mean, you know, that was kind of a different story as well. Uh, now, uh, I mean, if you look at the lineup that the Blackhawks have been uh, putting on the ice every night. And, and the, the um, you know, and we'll kind of go a little more depth into this with, with the, the carousel of goalies um, that has now gotten a little more complicated, you know, in the past uh, week or so. But I mean, Nick Schmaltz is your first center. Victor Etzel is your second center. Artem Anisimov is your third center. And David Kampf is your fourth center. And, uh, you know, you got uh, wings are Dylan Sakura and Alex DeBrinkett and Andreas Martinson and Thomas Yurko. And, yeah. yeah, and Vince Anastroza and Patrick Sharp. I mean, you know, this Duclair is hurt and Hayden is hurt and Taze is hurt. You know, I, I get that. But, um, you know, this almost kind of feels like that last game a couple of years ago that we went, I went and watched the, uh, the Blue Jackets it was like second to last game of the year, and Michael Roosevelt was wearing the captain, I think, that night. And uh, yeah, it was it was an ugly roster, and <laughs> they lost that night as well. But you know, it's just, um, I don't know. <laughs> what have you thought of Dylan Sakura so far? Um, I you know he's he's kind of sneaky quick. You know, he gets into those open spots. Um, you know, I, he's, <laughs> I forget. I was, I was chatting with somebody. Um, I mean, he looks like a math nerd, you know, <laughs> he looks like he's 12. He, he, he does not look like a professional hockey player, but you know what? I mean, that, that's fine. I mean, I might, so here's what I think my, I'm guessing, but here's, you know, what I would do is, uh, I would start him out of Rockford next year. Um, I, I would, you know, if I'm the team, I want to make sure that he's in a really, um, uh, you know, a rigorous training program over the summer, um, trying to put on a few pounds of muscle, of functional muscle. And, um, you know, cause he's just, he's skinny, he's, he's tiny. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, he seems to think the game well, and he, he seems to have that, you know, that nose for open areas and, and, um, you know, he, he seems to integrate into the play pretty well. Um, so, you know, yeah, I think there's, there's something there, there could be something there to work with. You know, he's like a lot of college guys, he's coming out of playing with a full cage and he probably is going to get his bell rung once or twice before he, you know, figures out the difference between that and the NHL. But, uh, um, no, I mean, it's, he's somewhat encouraging. I, I mean, he's not lit the world on fire. No. Um, I think he got a couple of assists one night, but they were like, you know, they were sort of like fluky secondary assists yeah, and, right. and whatever. Um, but he seems okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I haven't really seen anything extraordinarily great little things right. here and there. Yeah. But you know, it's just, he's, he's just a guy right now, but he's, he's adjusting. He's, he's really jumped there's, there's to little, yeah. There's little flashes. There's little flashes where you could tell he's got some, some nice offensive instincts. And, uh, you got to remember too, he's like three games out of college. You right. Know? Yeah. And, uh, 
actually, if you get anything out of him at this point, it's like, you know, that's, that's kind of remarkable. Um, and I, I, you know, a lot of people assume that guys come out of college and it's just like a cakewalk into pro hockey. It's not, you know, and no, you're, so, you're, and you're, you're he going, hasn't looked, he, he hasn't looked terrible and he's actually had some, some little moments. So I, again, I think there's something for them to, to work with and develop there, but no, he was not going to come in and save the franchise. Sorry, Stan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was their trade deadline acquisition right there. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Well, you know, he, and really he's, he's jumped like two to three levels from going from college to right. pro or going to right. NHL actually. But, right. uh, you know, unless you're like Scott Forster, <laughs> you can't really do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it took oh, you a while for that one to sink in, didn't it? <laughs> That's just crazy, you know. I mean, I, I, you know, I'd, I'd never heard of the guy, but I guess he played at Western Michigan. I mean, Western Michigan's a pretty good college program, and um, you know, it was it was funny because he made those seven saves, and like every one, you just got the sense that puck was about to dribble through his pads. I mean, he just barely made the save. Yeah, he was but, hanging on by a uh, yeah, he was hanging, <laughs> hanging on by a thread. Right. But, you know, I mean, it, you know, adjusting to the speed, you know, he's playing beer league, probably a good beer league in Chicago, but yeah. still I mean, he's 35 years old. Yeah. You know, he's playing against IBM salesman and uh, he gets in there with, you know, against uh, what that was against Colorado, right? No, that was against the Jets. The Jets. Yeah. So he's like facing Buffalo and Buffalo. Yeah. And, you know, but he did it. I mean, it was it was a it was pretty remarkable story. It was fun to watch. Yeah, that was that was really unusual. That was one of the craziest games that I've covered as far as Blackhawks go. I mean, yeah. you know, it was kind of crazy with the, the Eric Zamborski thing, uh, you yeah. know, because Crawford got hurt and he couldn't play. And but this was far crazier. Yeah. Yeah, it was because of the fact that uh, Delia was going to make his NHL debut and he did, and he played very well. And then the cramps set in and then Foster had to play. And, uh, you know, Zamborski really didn't, you know, he was just sitting the bench, just, just suiting up. But, uh, you know, Foster actually had to go in, which, you know, I'm standing in a bar with uh, four or five other Blackhawks fans with my hands on my head going, oh, no, because do we want to feed, you know, beer league, this beer league guy to the Jets who are one of the top teams in the NHL? And uh, as it turned out, it worked out pretty well for him. Yeah, no, that was pretty cool. You know, he'll remember that for the rest of his life. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know? I, yeah, he moved pretty well. He, he didn't look completely out of place. He didn't, you know, he's not uh, the next, you know, Carey Price, but he held his, he held himself together and uh, made made, yeah. made the saves he had to make. Yeah. Uh, so props to him for that. But uh, yeah, I'm not going to be buying a Scott Foster shirt or uh, jersey at any time soon. So I wasn't expecting you to. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so anyway, back to like the players and stuff like that. Uh, Victor Edsel, what's what's your opinion on, uh, you know, the next great uh, Blackhawks center and Victor Edsel? Well, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about him today. So far, I got to hang the he, he just looks like a guy, to, to, you know, thing on him. He just doesn't. There's nothing. He's if he's going to be effective in the NHL, I think he's got to get a lot more aggressive and use that size because I don't think his skills are that remarkable at the NHL level. Um, at least not what I've seen yet. I guess he's done pretty well in faceoffs. I haven't seen his numbers for all the games, but I think the first game he was over 50%, but it was like, you know, four out of seven. So, you know, who knows? I mean, but, uh, 
you know, because if, if he can win, win face-offs and get up and down the ice, I mean, he could have a job on this team. But, um, you know, I, I got to see more from him. I mean, you know, he came with this reputation of having that great shot. I haven't really seen that yet. I mean, um, and it's going to take more to beat goalies in the NHL than, than goalies in Sweden. You know, I mean, that's just that's a, that's a given. So I don't know if jury's still out, but I, I mean, I'd like to see more from him. Yeah, um, I'm still hoping that, uh, you know, again, he's coming over from a, a long season over in Sweden. So, yeah. you know, he's, he's he's played a lot of games and, and stuff like that. And, and I'm sure he knows that, you know, the Blackhawks aren't really fighting for anything right at this point in time. So, you know, a fresh start next year. I'm not going to take too much from this. I'm kind of hoping he could be the, you know, the replacement for Artem Anisimov at some point in time. And they can get rid of that, that salary off the books open up some space, but, uh, who knows? It's, you know, yeah. I mean, that's, that's plausible. I, yeah. Just got to kind of see. Right. So yeah. I it, mean, Nisimov it, does things, you know, and has, has some value in certain ways. I mean, one is getting in front of the net and parking there and, um, you know, doing some business around the net, you know, I haven't seen Edsel doing that. I mean, he's, I don't, I don't know. He's just, he looked like a, he's looked like pretty much just a guy to me so far. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a guy. He's got decent size. I've seen him go to the net once or twice, which was okay, but uh, you know nothing, nothing incredible. I think it was the one goal. Uh, it was against Colorado. He kind of drove the decrease, and that was the one where they just kept it out of the net at the last second. It was kind of crossing the. It was going to cross the line, and yeah. uh, I don't know who the defenseman was at the time uh, off the top of my head, but just saved it from going off the off of uh, Varlamov and into the net. So, yeah, um, I'm trying to look here to see if I see, you know, I don't see the, the face-off stats for Edsel right now. I think there's a minimum. Take a look. Yeah. But uh, I did get to see Blake Hillman. Um, he didn't really show me much of anything, but that's not necessarily because he's bad. <laughs> it's just because it was his first NHL game. I mean, yeah. was, it was his first pro game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, actually, I, you know, I watched him a little bit and I, you know, he, he made a couple of nice little plays. He made, he made some mistakes too. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, there's the, the interwebs experts had declared that he can't, he can't skate. I thought his skating was fine. Um, from what I could see. Um, and that was against a pretty fast team. Um, so, uh, decent size, but again, he looks like he could gain 10 pounds or so. But I actually, he made in his end. He made a couple of nice, nice plays getting pucks out, and then there were a couple of plays that he he kind of flubbed getting pucks out. But you know, you're not playing against uh, Western Michigan. You know, you're playing against the you know the Colorado Avalanche. So it's it's kind of a different deal. Yeah, I mean, he's big. I I see him. I project him, or at least right now, you know, as a Rockford guy. Maybe next year. Yeah. You know, kind of in the Carl Dahlstrom kind of uh big size maybe if he plays well he gets a call up for, for injury or something like that but i'm not gonna expect to see blake hellman on the chicago blackhawks starting next year or as a yeah. regular i wouldn't either especially since you know they seem to be going towards the more fleet of foot uh he wasn't a terrible skater but he wasn't a great skater either they seem to like these faster puck moving defensemen and hellman really isn't that yeah. Um, they got Connor well, Murphy. They're liking guys who can keep a puck out of their own net. Yeah, well, that's yeah. all I'm gonna say. That's true. That, that they got a problem true. with that. Yeah. So, 
Last week, uh, you know, we, we all know what happened in the Jets game. The Blackhawks came out. It was a very emotional game. Um, Brent Seabrook's thousandth game. Colin Delia at the last minute, it was his NHL debut. Uh, Dylan Sakur, it was his NHL debut. There was a lot of emotion in the Blackhawks locker room, and they came out and they answered it. You know, they answered the bell on that game. They played very well against a very good team, which they actually have been playing very well against the Jets this year, I think. I don't know the exact scores or the exact uh, numbers, but they've actually played pretty well against a team that's kind of been rolling through a lot of the NHL. So, you know... uh, you know, six. That was, a good, that was a good game. You know, it's funny. Edzo said on the broadcast that it looked like the Jets were out enjoying the town the night before. Um, I, I, for some reason, the Jets just played a horrible game. Um, I remember writing the recap for that game and just and remarking that they just looked they looked terrible. Um, and the Hawks, a lot of things went well for the Hawks. They got some bounces and they they played pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, Delia played well. The the Blackhawks all around played well. They scored six goals against, uh, you know, it was still, you know, uh, Eric Comrie or whatever. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was still a good game. I, I was I was impressed with that. Um, a little scared when Foster had to go in. You know, it's with uh, half of the third period left. Very well, um, the the Jets could have scored four goals against the guy if he starts getting flustered or something like that. So, uh, so just to answer the earlier question, Victor Edsel is 13 and 19 in the dot for a robust 40.6%. Yeah. That's not so well. That's However, the good it. news is he's 0.4% better than Nick Schmaltz. <laughs> well, that's so there you go. Not necessarily saying a whole lot, but yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Jonathan Taves, 58%. David Camp, 529 Which, that's good news for him next bad. year. That ain't bad. No. Artemen Isimov, pretty much what you would expect, 45.8. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, before the uh, Jets game, uh, Anton Forsberg got hurt. Um, they... S- it was said in warmups. I saw Charlie Remeliotis say that it was the soccer game that they play, the warm up soccer game yeah. out in the hallways that he got hurt doing that. Uh, I didn't see the interview after the game, but I was told that Joe Quenville, while he was, you know, happy and jovial about the Scott Foster thing that the, uh, he was not happy or he didn't seem happy about the Anton Forsberg situation. So uh, I don't know the exact details of it. I'm going to have to do a little more digging on it, but <clears throat> he's out for the season, which is only three games, but he's out so for the season. The thing that's unfortunate is it, it looked like he was finally starting to get into a groove and kind of, you know, give giving the team some hope that there's, you know, something there next year for them to, to work with, most likely as the backup. But um, so that, that was unfortunate. It was That was the part that was difficult, you know, as far as the injury. Um, right. Yeah. So with that happening, Delia was had to do had to make his NHL debut. They always uh, the the rule in the NHL is they have to have an emergency backup goalie available to either team. The home team has to provide for either team, which is why Eric Zamborski kind of signed, you know, to play with the Blackhawks. He was actually Philly's e-bug, as they call it, emergency backup goalie. Um, So, uh 
you know, he, he, he addressed, but he, he was not expecting to play. I don't think anyone was expecting him to play. Then, then Delia kind of, uh, that was a scary moment when he, he couldn't get up. I thought he may have wrenched his knee or something like that. And, uh, yeah, I was thinking, oh crap, you know, it didn't look good. <laughs> no, it didn't, it, it didn't at all, but kind of looking back on it, uh, cramps kind of made sense. Um, <clears throat> and his, in an interwebs exclusive, our own gatekeeper was the, uh, the first to get the the lowdown on the exact nature of the injury from uh, from Colin Delia's father. Yes. Um, yet another rink exclusive. Yes, sir. And, yeah, uh, that's I was uh, corresponding back and forth and uh, found out that you know it was cramps and uh, it, it, as it looks and it just kind of a little bit behind the scenes as far as you know goalies go. When the Hawks do their morning skate, the backup goalie for the day or the night, whatever pretty much sees most of the shots they kind of give the the starter a light load let him quit for the night or let him quit for the morning so that he's not too tired for the night you know ahead well Delia had taken a ton of shots because basically you know he was kind of got his initiation so they really they really peppered him in the morning so he was tired and uh you know, he was kind of a little bit worn out, but, you know, he's expecting to sit the bench. And I think everyone was expecting him to sit the bench. Well, then, of course, he has to, he has to go in and, uh, you know, be put into action. So um, <clears throat> the cramps kind of make sense. He was tired. You know, he had played basically a, a hard practice in the morning and then he had to come out and play a pretty hard game against a good team. So, um, you know, his his unfortunate circumstances were actually fortunate circumstances for Mr. Scott Foster and... uh Mr. Ben Tallman entered the question. So when do the Blackhawks sign Scott Forster to uh, back up uh, Corey Crawford next season? You got to say it in the the way you wrote it. What, like a D's Dems and Dozer. When <laughs> the Hawks sign that Foster? That Forster guy. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so anyway. Yeah, before all that, Baruby had been sent down. He'd been put through waivers. All the right people on the internet i'm a troll on twitter uh, somehow started to think that maybe Corey crawford was going to miraculously enter in onto the active roster even though he hasn't seen the ice or any shots since uh probably the beginning of march yeah that's you know the crawford thing is the big mystery that's out there you know um you know is he still is he still hurt um, you know, is he, is he going to be a hundred percent next year? Is he going to play next year? I mean, there's, there's a lot of questions out there. Um, you know, there's still, I st- I'm still getting messages from people claiming that it was not a concussion, that it was something far more nefarious and I won't go into that. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, whether people like it or not, those questions are still out there too. I, um, I've, I've come to accept the official, um, explanation that it was post post concussion syndrome, but I mean anybody who's taking solace in that, I, it's like you better put down the the meth pipe because that's serious stuff and that could end his career, you know. Um, so yeah. um, we got to see with with Crawford. So with that, all that happening, Colin Delia got the call up. As it turns out, Delia was it was kind of a good faith move by the Blackhawks. Um, yeah. He had had a, you know. He, he had been a good soldier playing the ECHL going back and forth. And he's finally hitting a stride with Rockford. 
So I figured they got nothing to lose. Why not bring the kid up and let him make his NHL yeah. debut? It was probably supposed to be a, you know, he was going to be, he was going to back up a game and he was going to play a game and be sent back down. As it turned out, he ended up getting just over or just under two games worth of time. Um, Good for him. Oh, he deserved it. How big is he? What what are his what, what are his six uh, one about two hundred? So yeah, so he's not a real big goalie at all. No, but you know, I thought I thought he looked technically really good. I thought he moved really well. Um, you know, so I mean, I, I think he acquitted himself well. That you know that injury he took uh, in that in that game in, against Winnipeg was unfortunate, but um, I, I thought he acquitted himself pretty well. Yeah, I'll, uh, that and of course you know everyone knows my feelings on Colin Delia. Um, that that was one of the things that I noticed uh, about him is how smooth and fluid he moved yep. Yep. across the ice. And yep. uh, while he's not that big, he gets you know he, he he's got a nice low stance. Kind of yep. is like it. And I and I don't want to go this far and say that you know he's going to be as good as this player. But as far as like his aggressiveness, his, his stance, uh, his, his 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 fluid motion side to side, like a Jonathan Quick type player. He's not yeah. as aggressive as Quick, but he's, he moves. But he's also a little bit acrobatic like, like Quick, too. Yeah. Well, that um, sometimes happens when you're a smaller goalie, and sometimes you're a little yeah. bit on the aggressive side. You get out of position a little bit, and you end up having to be a little bit acrobatic. Yeah. Which is not necessarily a bad thing, because, uh, you know, it could be very unexpected to shooters, but you have to be able to pull it off. If you can't pull it off, you end up looking stupid, but he, he's been all right. Yeah. I, you know... I think one of the things that this season has done is it's like we've seen a lot of the goaltending prospects that this team has. And I'm actually, you know, again, I mean, we didn't see a lot of Delia, but I, I think I saw enough to say, well, this is a guy that, you know, maybe they could develop. Um, and Forsberg, I think, had had some flashes throughout the year of being a very good goalie in the NHL. And I'll stand by that. He also had some he had a couple stinker games, too, you know, but uh, I mean, I, I, I actually think, you know, now glass you know he's just a, a feel good story he's 34 years old or whatever it is um, six i and, think isn't he i think he's older than that yeah and i'm not sold on baruby either i just i i don't think there's much there um honestly and uh you know so but you know there's a couple of guys there that they it looks like they can they can potentially develop and i you know people say good things about tompkins too he's the one he's the only one we didn't see you know yeah so yeah, Tompkins is a little, as far as uh, compared to like Delia, Tompkins is a little more on the safe side, a little bit bigger. Um, bigger, more of a blocker. Yeah, he's more of like a Corey Crawford type of player. I mean, he's more, um, I'm not, I don't want to say he's more athletic, but because Corey Crawford's pretty athletic and, and, and he's sneaky athletic. Right. But, right. Uh, you know, Tompkins is, is, isn't as, is naturally gifted, but he, he plays better position, I think. Yeah. So I think, you know, that's a good thing as well. But Tompkins is a pretty good, pretty good sized kid. He's like six two, six three. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. And so. he's a buck guy. So that's he's got that cool <laughs> Well, you know, no one's perfect. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so anyway, but uh so with, as far as the goalie stuff goes, Delia was brought up. He was sent back down after two games. Jeff Glass was uh he's back from his three year tour of Europe, Scandinavia, and the subcontinent. The Jeff Glass experience is back in the uh, in the mix, which again is probably just to get him out of the way so that Delia and Barube, yeah. well, not Barube now, but it'll eventually be Barube and Delia, and right now it'll be Delia and Tompkins taking trying to get the Rockford Ice Hogs into the playoffs. Yeah. 
So, um, you know, just Jeff Glass is Jeff Glass. He's just he's just a guy. He's just just enough to get by. And, uh, yeah. <clears throat> you know, if they need to put him in in the last three games, they can. You know, don't don't expect much out of him. But, you know, at this point, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't. So Yeah, I don't think either one of these guys are, are really part of the long-term answer. Yeah, I, I used to be a big Baruby fan, uh, and, and I was at the beginning of the season. I said, watch out for him. He could sneak in and, and show you something. But, um, you know, he's I think he's kind of proven enough that, you know, he's just he's a fringe guy. He might be able to, you know, be a tweener, but I don't think he's your long-term solution and backup. And, uh, so I kind of, I kind of want to see, uh, you know, of course I want to see next year, uh, maybe see if Delia could get in there and, and compete with Forsberg for the backup position. Yeah. I mean, those guys as the two and, you know, number two and number three goalies, you know, you could do worse. Yeah. I and mean, again, I, I, there were several games this year where Forsberg was outstanding and, um, you know, against, you know, 40 plus shots. And, um, and so I, you know, I, I think, that, I think that they need to give him, they need to give him more time. And I think Delia showed that he's got something to work with too. Yeah. You know? He's got a good attitude. He's, yeah. uh, you know, he was like what man of the year for Rockford. Yeah. Uh, I think he just won this week. I, I, I know Ari, or, uh, Mario put up a, a piece about some of that stuff too. But, uh, I, you know, just he seems to be very fan-friendly. He seems to have finally gotten over that hump, which I think, honestly, that uh, some of that had to do with, you know, him, him being shuttled back and forth between Rockford and Indy. It's got to wear on you. Yeah. It, it's got to wear yeah. on anybody. If you think yeah. about doing that, like, now that he's he got, to, he got to sit his butt down in Rockford and stay in Rockford, work in Rockford with all those players all week long and all weekend long, he seems to be, like, a completely different guy and... Uh, so I'm really happy to see all that, of course, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, so as far as the goalie stuff goes, we don't know what's going to happen, but, uh, you know, I expect to see maybe a couple of fresh faces when, uh, when the Hawks hit, hit camp next fall, at least, uh, you know, for competition wise go. Yeah. They may bring in a veteran. Yeah. See, see if there's somebody who can, you know, push these guys or, you know, bump one of them out and i'm um, not opposed to that uh either yeah you know not me either i mean bottom line if they're going to compete next year they're going to need you know a, a very good number one and they're going to need a, a a competent number two and that's the bottom line no matter who it is yeah. um the big question to me is like we can sit here and talk about forsberg and Dealey all night but um you know the whole thing comes down to is there going to be a healthy Corey crawford between the pipes for 60 games next year because if not um, that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> that's scary. That's frightening, really, honestly. Yeah. 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 I brought I brought that up, and uh, you know, I want to thank the guys in the Around the Boards uh, podcast um, for inviting me on because they, uh, you know, they're they're from they're Kings fans, uh, Detroit fan. Uh, you know, they're they're fans from other markets, so they don't see a lot of the Blackhawks. They wanted to get kind of a, a lowdown on what's going on with the Blackhawks, and I was able to you know key them in on a couple of things, and they they. They said, you know, can the Blackhawks come back next year and be a, a playoff team? And I said, if Corey Crawford's healthy, yes, for sure, they can. Potentially, yeah. Um, but if they're not, they're screwed. Uh, they're 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 in trouble. Yeah. Because if you look at who's available on the market, there's not a lot of them. Uh, they might have to make some kind of a shrewd move, like sign Philip Grubauer to a you know a, a, an offer sheet, which is something that doesn't happen very often in the NHL. So, you know, I don't I don't know. Um, yeah so yeah and again 
hopefully the Hawks, you know, know and they know that Crawford's okay and they they just shut him down as a precaution, figuring the season was basically lost. Could be. I mean, and that's that would be good for for the competitiveness of this team next year. And um, and and kind of sneaky behind, uh, you know, under the radar a little bit. It, there hasn't been a whole lot of talk about it. Um, is Jonathan Taze being kind of, you know, shut down with an injury? <clears throat> but, you know, just just give him a rest. I mean, he's the one guy that's been struggling. He's been yeah. you know, logging a lot of ice time. Just, you know, it, they honestly, if you would have done the same thing with Duncan Keith, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been bothered by any of that. Sit him down, let him relax, let him you know, get any injuries they have taken care of and, and have a nice full off season because they're going to be counted on next year to usher in some of these young guys. And, uh, why waste them with, you know, these, these games that are worthless. They're just pointless. Put some of the kids in there and, and just let them play. Well, that's what they're doing. You yeah. know, our friend Beth has a, a question on the, the Twitters, um, about, uh, Andreas Martinson. Um, so I'll look forward to, to answering that one. I yeah. Have, uh, someone else asked that question. Mr. Too. Martinson. Yeah. Someone else asked that question too. So, yeah. Um, and you just kind of, I can't wait to get to him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and kind of the last thing I, I just kind of threw on the outline, it's kind of brought up today. Um, I saw an article about it, something to the, to the effect of, and, and, and a lot of people are asking about, you know, Joel Quenville, Scotty Bowman, are they going to stay? Are they going to go? Um, there was some talk today, and, and there was an article written about that if the Blackhawks theoretically were to let Joel Quenville go, um, the Rangers may be a destination for him, uh, and they would let Vigneault go. I don't know uh, how you know how realistic that is. I, you and I both seem to think that if Quenville is not even let go, he would be reassigned up the chain somewhere. Until somebody else hired him, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I, you know, I, I, there's there was a report on the Twitters uh, a couple hours ago. Um, one of the uh, the true experts said that <laughs> they had heard that that clip that Quenville's not going to uh, not going anywhere. And quite honestly, I, I, you know, I have not I've not heard that specifically. Um, but again, I mean the. The logic of getting rid of Quenville right now, I'm not sure, is really, really high. Um, you know, I don't know. It's it's a funny situation too because I mean, if they got rid of Bowman, doesn't a new GM then have have the right to to bring in his own coach? But you know, then again, a new GM comes in and goes, you know, I've got a Hall of Fame coach. You know, I've got one of the three or four best best in game coaches in, in in hockey. Why would I want to change him? So. Um, I, I, it's just really hard to say how it's going to play out. Um, but my my instinct would be to stay with Quenville because I've not felt that Quenville is the problem. I've not felt that. I know some people are convinced that he is and that they want to believe that this roster is better than it's played. I, well, I'm calling bullshit. Yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. I mean, the defense was just, it was sketchy at best. The forwards, Terrible. yeah, the forwards, a lot of them were slumping. Brandon Zod was slumping. Uh, you know, you just go down the line and, and a lot of players were slumping, you know, Richard panic didn't, didn't start out the season like he did the previous season. And uh, when you're counting on depth guys to pitch in and fill holes and they don't, then you're going to have seasons like this. So, right. Yeah. Um, 
my thoughts on Quenwell, I think we're going to talk about it a little bit more in the questions, but um, you know, I, I've, I've had my uh, doubts with Joel Quenville and the way he does some things. Um, I, some things are very frustrating, and I, I, I know a lot of the fans feel the same way. But he also has some really good qualities as well. And uh, like this year, the way he's used Alex Debrinkit and kind of sheltered him away from those those hard matchups so that he was put in a position where he could actually succeed and score, what is he, 27 or 28 goals right now? Mm-hmm. That is that that's promising stuff right there. Um, if he can do the same kind of thing for Dylan Sakura next year, you know, yeah, that, I, you, you know, again, something. people talk about how how bad Q is with with young players. I think he did a fantastic job with the bracket, just like he did a a great job in 2013 with Brandon Saad. You know, I mean, it, it's it's in many ways it's up to the player and the play. You know, the player being ready when they bring him up, and uh, you know, yeah, I mean. Again, I just because then that you know the question the question becomes and I, one of the questions I know that we got from from one of our guys was, you know, who would you replace Q with? And the choices are guys that are either under contract or just aren't as good a coaches as Q. So I don't get it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's why I'm just kind of backing off a little bit because if you're gonna do it, um, are you gonna? Are you going to just bring in another guy that's been recycled three or four times around the league, or are you going to go completely off the off the radar and go with someone young or someone unknown, like an Alpo Suhonen? For all you though, for all those who remember that, um, I remember Alpo? Yeah, which did not work out well. Just spoiler alert: that did not end well. But um, yeah, so that 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 question we'll we'll bring that up. That's actually the second question we have. So. I guess we should just get right into the questions. I mean, we're about 40 minutes in, so let's get into the questions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Milas Stefan, I think that's how you say it, from the Facebook page. Yeah, he's one of our Facebook regulars. Yep. Why does Bowman continue to make weird moves? <laughs> Very general <laughs> question, but I think, John, I, you, one today. I think, John, I think you have some answers on that. Or at least well, you have some theories. You know, I think we've touched on it a little bit. I, I, I think that a lot of these, first of all, a lot of these moves right now are, um, you know, they're they're small. They're not, you know, hugely significant. I mean, some of the goalie moves have been head scratchers. Um, you know, some of the, the the moves between Rockford and Chicago have been head scratchers. But they're, I, I think what it's, what it's coming down to is, is there's like, you know, they're auditioning these guys. They're seeing what guys have. And, um, you know, they're also thinking about Rockford's postseason, um, which, you know, is a little harder for Chicago fans to, to grasp and accept. And but I think that's what it's all about, you know, just looking at what they have, taking inventory of what they have for next year, um, you know. And again, we tend to be a little bit more on the pessimistic side. I, I actually think that there's there's a few bright spots um, for next year, but but. At the same time, it, there's still a lot of open questions and open jobs, you know. So yeah. he's just he's looking, he's doing the right. I would do the same thing. I would be trying this guy, trying that guy, see what they have. You know what I mean? Think about, you know, who's going to make a long playoff run in Rockford possible because that'll be good for those guys down there, you know, as far as developing them. So that's what I think. Yeah, um, and, and even going back to like, you know, the whole season thing. I mean, we. We're, you and I are both 
we, we can be pretty critical of some of the things Stan Bowman does. Some of these contracts he's he's just recently laid out are are strange. They don't make a whole lot yeah, of sense. Well, those, yeah, yeah, those those I, I do question. Yeah, those, the moving up and moving down. I actually got to give Stan a little bit of credit here because yeah. the way he's used the emergency call ups, the emergency injury call ups to be able to, you know, they only had one call up from the from uh, you know one full you know, call up from the AHL left after the trade deadline. And he's been able to shuttle people up and down based on injury, you know, emergency call-ups and and loans. So he's kind of navigated that pretty well. I'll give him credit on that. Being able to move players up and down, be able to get to see some people when theoretically you shouldn't have been able to pull any of these guys up. And and Victor Edsel, you know, the list goes on and on about all these players who've, who've gotten a look now because of injury, quote-unquote injury, or uh, emergency loans from Rockford. So, uh, especially at the goalies, for sure. But uh, Ken Kallenbach, uh, this is the question you were just mentioning. If Q goes, who's the most likely replacement? Colleton, Dave Tippett, Bill Peters, Alain Vigneault. I would also throw Kevin Deneen or Ulf Samuelson into the mix. Those are all possible, plausible names to be thrown into there, but... I don't think Colleton, for one, I don't think he's got enough experience. I don't think the, I don't think the Blackhawks are ready to throw him, you know, into the prime time just yet. Let him let him marinate in the AHL for like a season or two or two or three seasons. See how he navigates the playoffs, see how he navigates the players. Just throwing him in there after one season, I think would be a mistake. I, I think uh not not anything against his skill. I just don't think coming you know, this this time last year he was coaching in Europe, and now all of a sudden he's back in the you know the NHL. He's only in his mid thirties. Like, there's no hurry to race him up the system. As long as he's doing well in Rockford, leave him where he's at. Let him marinate. Let him, and then when Quenville's done, if whether he retires or leaves or fired or whatever, then you know down the road. But I don't think he's your short your. Uh, I think he's more your long term answer than your short term answer. Yeah, I mean, and I've you know. I've been really clear that I, I I don't think that there's a replacement. The one guy that Ken mentioned that I thought would be an interesting choice and a guy that I think the Hawks probably have had their eye on for the future is um, Bill Peters. But Peters is under contract in Carolina. <laughs> and I, I think that they value him and they're not letting him go to Chicago. So you cross him off the list, at least for now. Yeah, right. Um, and from what I hear, uh, the owner seems to like him, so... Yeah. You know, it's funny because when Ken asked that today, I started thinking about it. And there's there's one guy out there that I, you know, this you talk about a dark horse and it wouldn't happen anytime soon. It would it would by necessity have to be about three years from now. But he's probably one of the, the best sort of technical hockey players I've ever seen. He's the son of a of an accomplished coach. He commands immediately immediate respect when he walks in the room. He's very soft spoken. Um and I don't know if he would ever be interested in doing it because, you know, he's worth about $70 million. I think Marion Hosa would be a fantastic head coach in the NHL. Um, some people might not agree because they, you know, they're, they, everybody thinks it's gotta be, you know, sort of a native North American. But um, I actually think Hosa, if he were interested in doing it, could be a great coach in the NHL. Maybe eventually. Yeah. I, I could definitely see him going back, you know, to his native 
country and, and coach it back there, like maybe with the national yeah. team yeah. or something like that. Kind of yeah, like, yeah. I mean, that's what his father did. His father coached the Slovak national team. Yeah. And, several years. And, and, uh, but I mean, you talk about, I mean, I just remember some of the interviews and, and he would talk about, you know, um, on ice tactics. And, and I mean, he not only got, he not only got the game in terms of like how a player plays the game in terms of, you know, how he holds his stick and, and, you know, how he plays his position, but in terms of the X's and the O's of the game and the things that the Hawks need to do to be successful, um, you know, he's a, he was a, he, the guy thinks hockey at a very high level. And again, I mean, you talk about a guy who, you know, guys would, would want to run through walls for it's Marion Hosa. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's my opinion. And again, I mean, does Marion Hosa want to come back to North America and, you know, fly all over, you know, <laughs> to you know, fly to Edmonton to, to play games in January, you know, for, for a million dollars a year for three or $4 million a year. That's, that's nothing to him, you know? So I, I, I don't know, but yeah. it's just an interesting thought. Well, yeah, I mean, like in another example, Marco Sturm. Yeah. Coaching the right. German national team. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's plausible. So, but I, I mean, Europeans have not had a lot of luck in the, in the uh, national hockey league said coaches. I mean, um, I think the last one was Ralph Muller with, uh, was that his name? Ralph Muller? Ralph, uh, Kruger. 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 Yeah, Ralph Kruger. Muller was the German giant. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Ralph, uh, Ralph Kruger, who, uh, you know, everybody thought, you know, was, was a great coach, you know, a great technician and he didn't really, you know, but then again, he was in Edmonton with, with not a great team. So it's, it's hard to say, but you know, Europeans have not had a lot of success coaching in the NHL so far. So for what it's worth. Yeah. I think Ted Nolan, maybe. He coached over in Europe for a couple of years, right? Yeah, I mean, and there was a guy who, you know, wherever he coached, he did a great job, but for some reason he'd get fired. Right. You know? Yeah, well, he ended up coaching bad teams, I think. Yeah. I think it was what he was given to work with. You can't, you know, you can't make a diamond out of a pile of crap, so. That's for sure. Yeah. So, all right. Um, Dan Metch from... He's on the Facebook pages. He's he's had a bunch of questions and yeah, he's a very active, yeah, great hockey group Facebooker. Yeah, uh, you guys have talked at length about specific needs on the back end and goal, but it seems to be the mind that the or it seems uh, seems to be of the mind that the forward group is in better shape. Is it quote unquote better? Of course, but I don't see a lot of finishing ability in that group. And a Vermette style faceoff guy doesn't change that. Do you think there is any chance that they could use some cap space to go after any free agent forwards to try to legitimize their top six from a scoring perspective? That's his first question. Um, well, I'm Dan or Daniel, I, I appreciate many of your comments um, on the Facebook group, and and um, I think it's a good question. However. I'm going to disagree, and I think they've got some guys that could finish. I mean, Patrick Kane could finish. Um, Alex DeBrinkett could finish. Um, I'm not sure that's that's that you know. And then there's other guys who are not not quite on that level, but who can also finish too. I, I don't think that's the issue. I think that you know we've talked about it earlier. Um, you've got a number one center who some debate whether he's still a number one center. I mean, and you know. Maybe after a nice long summer of rest, um, you know, he'll come back and, um, you know, sort of recapture some of uh, – he's only 30 years old, you know, and uh, he trains pretty hard in the offseason. So so maybe Taves comes back. Great. Um, then after that, you've got 
David Camp, who's really probably a fourth line center. Um, and then you've got a second line center who can barely get to 40% on faceoffs, um, who can be physically intimidated in Nick Schmaltz. Schmaltz is a very talented player. But, I mean, I think the, the question is open whether he can hack it as a second-line center in the NHL or does he need to be out at the wing. Um, and then you've got Artem Anisimov, who does some things very well but has some shortcomings. Um, there's, I, I personally believe that, you know, if you're going to be a possession team and you're going to get shots, you've got to possess the puck. And that starts with winning faceoffs, especially in the offensive zone, but, but also in the defensive zone, too, in terms of, initiating your breakout, your transition up the ice. So um, I, I really think they need another center. Now, is it a top six center, a, a second line, a legitimate second line center? That 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 would get me excited. And centers could be finishers, too. Um, I, I But I think um, I think they got to add a center. The question is whether it's a second line or a third line center. And if it's a trade, who goes the other way? Um the wings, I don't know. They got a lot of good wings on this team. They've got Kane, they've got DeBrinket, they got Brandon Saad. Um, you know, I and I think you know they've got some younger guys who show some promise at that position as well. So, um, to me, it's like I think center is right up there in terms of a need. Um, and if it's a scoring center, all the better. And a guy who can win faceoffs and kill penalties, um, that would be you know sort of the brass ring. Um, and personally, I, I believe, and in fact, I know that's why they were very interested in Matt Duchesne uh, a couple of years ago before the price got crazy high because yeah. he checks a lot of those boxes. Um, yeah. You know, and then the other the other big need is they, I think they need at least one uh, legitimate top four defenseman. Yeah, I think that's where they need to really address needs. And, and that's saying if, if Corey Crawford comes back. And they may need a goalie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean... I'm kind of, <clears throat> kind of in in my mind, I have it. Um, I've pretty much decided that they are going to get rid of Artem Anisimov, just because of the fact that four point five million dollars for a third line center who's a little bit slow, and um, you know, not great at the faceoff dot is a little bit much. Uh, so you may you know, and he's one of the few guys you're going to be able to move out and may have a little bit of value. So I kind of think that they may they may dump him uh, just because they need to clear up that space. But you clear him up, uh, you clear up, you know, Franzen leaves, Boma leaves. It's another two million dollars. You're you know you're already almost at seven million dollars. And then uh, we did have a question uh, later, and I, I think it's from uh, my boy Billy Terrell, which is basically, do you think they're going to keep the uh, Hosa LTIR? for the remainder of the contract to try to move them. I think they're going to try and move them whether they can or not. I don't know, but yeah, I, they will. if they try and move that, that's another $5 million. You're at like $12 million right there of, of salary that you've kind of shifted around. Plus, you know what you've already got, uh, yeah. you know, under the cap, you may be able to get a defenseman somehow that way, but you know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they're going to, yeah. I mean, if they can find a quote unquote floor team to take on, uh, to take Hosa's deal on, they're going to, they're going to do it. I mean, sentimentality be damned. Um, you know, and, I, and Hosa would not lose any sleep over it either. I mean, uh, but that's 5.25 million in cap space that, uh, um, they, uh, you know, that they could really use. And, um, you know, and the other issues is that there's all this, that, you know, they've, they, I, I believe if I understand it correctly, 
they've got to go through like a yearly process of, of qualifying him for yeah. LTIR. Yeah. And then, and then you can't use the money. I think and now somebody said you can use, you can use the money during the summer. But my understanding is, is that you can't use the money till the second, till the uh, second day of the regular season. So it, it seems to me that it's just a lot more convenient if they can find a place to move the, move the salary to. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think they're going to want to not, you know, there's one less thing they have to worry about, but they'll have to pay somebody. Yeah. They have to literally give up a good mm-hmm. asset to do that. Yeah. And, and, and uh, someone was asking me this weekend, like, who's going to take that? Well, there are going to be teams who are going to need to reach the cap floor. I mean, the cap floor is going to go up and there are teams that are going to need to reach it. And there are some, you know, like, you know, Pronger uh, coming off the books and some of the, some of these other contracts that are dead money that are getting teams to the cap floor are going to start coming off the books. People are going to need, you know, to, to plan ahead for stuff like that. So it's not like they're going to be able to get away, get away with giving them away for free. But that said, there are going to be chances probably to get, you know, to get him off the books. So, so getting back to Daniel, uh, I don't want to get too far away from his questions. Um, I'm I'm with you on the I don't know how much they're going to do as far as we, as far as forwards go. You may see a couple depth guys. I don't think you're going to see any big splashes. I think they're going to save their money for defense and possibly goalie help, and uh, and kind of hope that DeBrinket continues to take the, that next step. Sakura can maybe um, be that next level behind DeBrinket, um, and then some of the uh, uh, younger guys, you know, making a. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe Thomas Yurko, right? (laughs) So, um, also, do we have any sense of the feeling around the league with regards to Chicago still being a good, good free agent, probably destination, I would think. Um, I think it's still good. And I want to go back to the Dylan Sakura thing because I've been on, I've been on very vocal since the beginning of the season that I didn't think Dylan Sakura was going anywhere that I thought that this was a prime opportunity for a player of his skill at his age and where the Blackhawks stand for him to to be able to step in and be that next level of young player in the NHL. For some reason, there was all this panic. There was all this, as I called, scuttlebutt about Dylan Sakura and how Stan may lose him. And everyone's all worried all season long that he's not going to sign. It took him less than 12 hours to sign a contract after his last college game. He wasn't going anywhere. He was not going anywhere. It was right, prime, right. prime, prime place for for someone to step in, and and you got to look at it like you got to look at it from the player's point of view. It's not that the Blackhawks suck at this point in time. We all know this. They're not they're not playing well. But are they two three players away from being able to make it back into the playoffs? With the with the right players, yes, they are. And you could be that next player that plays a big part in being the next you know, playoff bound Blackhawk. That's perfect. You know, they've, they're now opening up some cap room. I mean, Sakura couldn't, you know, he's going to, he's going to learn from Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and Brandon Saad and, and, and Duncan Keith and Corey Crawford. He's going to learn from all these guys who have got all this experience. And why would, why would you go someplace else? What are you going to do? You're going to do a Jimmy VC and and go to the Rangers or, or, or Kevin Hayes and go to the Rangers. What, what have those guys won? Nothing. Right. Right. You know, I mean, it, it. you're playing, you're playing Russian roulette with your career. And right now it looks pretty good to come to Chicago. So as far as free agents go, as far as college free agents go, as far as college, you know, prospects or, or European prospects go, they, 
should be licking their lips at, at what the Blackhawks have going on right now. And and I want to give a little bit of a, a, a plug. And it was a podcast I was listening to. Um, I think actually Adam Burrish kind of said it too as well. But um, it was some guy on one of the TSN podcasts or something like that. And uh, he was saying, when you're in the minors or you're in the low, the lower levels of, of a, you know, of an organization and the pro team isn't doing well, you're licking your lips. You're, you're, you're ready to go because you know, they're going to make changes. You know, you're going to get chances. Right. But when the, when the, when the, the organization is doing good, sure. It's good for the organization and all that stuff, but that means you're going to get less chances because that means the team's doing well. That means all the players on the pro roster are playing well. So, right. It's see he he was he was saying uh and, uh, God I wish I could say who it was I think he was on uh, the uh, the Jeff Merrick uh, podcast with uh, um, Darren Drager is it or whatever whatever that that podcast is the Thirty One Thoughts podcast yeah which uh, is a good one yeah yeah and they were interviewing someone uh, God I wish it, the name escapes me right now but he said that's one of the unspoken things and I think Anna Burr said it as well that. When you're in the minors, you want the pro team to kind of do bad because then it opens up slots. It gives you a chance to to, to be able to play. So you got to think of it in, in that regard. It's not, you know, players, it, it, you show up and, you, and say you're playing, you know, you're going to show up and play for the Penguins. Well, how many spots are going to necessarily be open in the past couple of years for the Penguins? They, they had a couple of young guys come through, but were there a lot of really, quote unquote, open spots for young players? young guys or free agents to come in. Not really. It was mostly just depth. And that's the same thing that happened with the Blackhawks. Uh, you know, Andrew Brunette, uh, Fernando Pisani, whatever. They're just depth guys that were able to, yeah. to step into to, to those. You weren't going to, you know, you weren't going to get a whole lot of top six guys. You weren't going to get Marion Hoses or Brandon Sods being signed in the free agent market or, no. you know, so just, just keep that in mind that, when the Blackhawks are playing bad, that's good for young players to be able to get a right. shot to play in the NHL. So yep. that makes it more yep. desirable. So, yep. Uh, so another question from Daniel, uh, another or another pet topic. I was wondering if you guys had thoughts on the Delia call up. He played two games with only one planned and then back to Rockford. Uh, if you were going to call the kid up for a look, why didn't he get a look? He, oh, he did get a look. Um, was it simply a reward? Was it meant to be a message to 31 and 34? Uh, I can blow holes in the theory I can come up with with, uh, I can blow holes in any theory I can come up with. He was in a groove down there. Why not leave him there and go with the second dose of the JGE, which is the Jeff glass experience. Thank you very much. Uh, a week earlier. Um, I was sort of on a, I was sort of teetering back and forth on this. First of all, Delia was dialed in down there, keeping him down there and letting him just roll through into the playoffs on a hot streak. Sure. Yeah. I could see that being a goalie. You, you don't want to mess with a goalie psyche and mess him up with a whole lot of, you know, stuff going on in his head and being called up and playing, you know, maybe getting shelled and things like that. And then having to go back down there and having the remnants of that in the back of your head while you're trying to, you know, start a playoff run. But that being said, he deserved, you know, a game or two, I think. So, yeah. you know, I, I think there was minimal damage done. I think you'll send him down there. Uh, 
he's going to have a little bit of a sour taste because of the whole, really Scott Foster just stole all his thunder in his first NHL win. It was, it was so unfortunate because there's, if you watch, there's, uh, there's a video on the Blackhawks sites or on the, the Twitter where you see Anton Forsberg comes over with his walking boot, gives the belt, you know, that belt that they give away yeah. to Scott Foster. And if you look, when they pan out, Colin Delia is sitting there oh. with one of the most dejected looks on his, <laughs> just his body language. That's all right, because Dealey's going to get another chance. Yeah, right, exactly. But I felt terrible for the kid. Gonna. Yeah, I felt ter- terrible for the kid because he comes in, he's going to make his you know emergency NHL debut against one of the better teams in the NHL. He plays very well, he earns the win, and Scott Foster completely just comes in and sweeps all that away. So people, for- so many people are going to forget about that, and, and, and he deserved a lot of the credit for that win. So, yeah, I mean, just as far as now goes, Jeff Glass experience, that's fine. Who cares? Whatever. I, I, I don't care anymore. And then the last question from Daniel Mech. What is the over-under on the number of goals from below the goal line in the next iteration of the Jeff Glass experience this week? I'm going to say two. Two. <laughs> the under-over is two. Yeah, are you taking the over or the under? <laughs> I'm going to take the over. <laughs> the over two. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Johnny Utah, who's our favorite, uh, our Temi Panarin apologist, and Brandon Sod hater. <laughs> if we end up with the eighth or ninth pick of the draft, which players do the Blackhawks select in the first round? Um, I don't know. I still, I said this on the other podcast too. I haven't looked deeply enough into the um, prospects yet. I'm kind of kind of concentrating on what's going on in the regular season, other than like Kachuk or. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin, I don't really know a whole lot about them. I'm going to, have to do a little more research, and I'm going to have plenty of time to do it. So uh, that's my thoughts. What do you What do you think? Uh, I'm sorry. Could you run up the question by me one more time? Uh, yeah. If If they have the eighth or ninth pick, what which player do you think the Blackhawks may select in the draft this year? Oh. We may even have to just say, you know, what position they may look at. Because well, it's who knows? real hard to say. I mean. You know, here's what I hope they don't do is I, I hope they don't uh, make a choice based upon who's the guy who could help them immediately next year if they're picking eighth or ninth, because, you know, you're going to you're you may end up compromising on the upside of the player if if you're going for a guy you think can, can step in immediately at eighth or ninth um, versus a guy that you would take at eighth or ninth who you could develop into a great player, you know. And there's guys like that in this draft. There are guys who, um, you know, are high upside guys but need some development, like um, Bokvist, the uh, the defenseman from Sweden, um, or um, what's the kid from uh, from uh, London, uh, Evan Bouchard. Um, he's a guy who probably can't come in and help right away, but you know, give him a couple of years. I mean, Bouchard could be an exceptional top pairing defenseman in the NHL. So. Um, I don't know, you know, so it's really hard to say who they would go for there. My hope is that, again, that they would go for who is the best prospect to develop and not, you know, worry about somebody's going to come in right away and help. Because there's probably only two guys, maybe three guys in this draft who conceivably could come in next year and help the team. Yeah. You know, um, uh, Darlene, uh, possibly Kachuk, possibly the uh, the Czech, um, the Czech winger. And mm-hmm. I'm not even sure about him. Yeah, it's... I mean, even if you look back a couple of years ago with uh, 
uh, Columbus had to pick third, was it, overall? And uh, uh, what was that center, the big center they picked, who's now their first-line center? Uh, oh, uh, uh, Matisse Winberg? No, no, no. Uh, or Alex Winberg, rather? No, Dubois. Is oh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Yeah. Good player. Yeah, I mean, it, it's taken him a couple years, and he was third it overall. But did. he's turning into a good player. It took him a little while to develop. Yeah. and Yeah, they drafted him third overall. Yeah, and, and so the Blackhawks could very, very well be in that kind of position. So, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll, I'm sure we're going to have more of an in-depth analysis in the next coming uh, month and a half or two months while the NHL playoffs are going on and the Blackhawks are golfing somewhere in Costa Rica or some shit. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, Billy Terrible, my boy Billy Terrell, um, he he asked about the host of things. So, uh, is there benefit to moving his agreement? Yes, there definitely is. Um you know, just just the harassment of them having to be able to be cap compliant for for day one, and then there's different. Uh, I think Scott uh, Powers last year kind of laid it out what what the difference is between putting on a, putting him on LTIR in the off season and putting him on LTIR day two, and day two seemed to be the more reasonable thing for them to do. But then they're going to have to do that for the, the next couple of years. They have to be cap compliant the day the season starts, and then the that money they can go over the cap. You know, but they have to be also as close to the cap ceiling as possible to be able to maximize that money. So they basically have to be like $1 underneath the cap ceiling and then, uh, you know, compliant for that season. And then the season begins and then they're able to go over that almost that full amount of what host is worth. It's it's very complicated. And, um, you know, if, host is not coming back and you know, I don't see him threatening to retire. So, you know, it just might be some, one of those things you have to, you have to bite the bullet and, and, and get rid of it and just assume that he's going to not uh, retire until after his contract's up. Enough other players have, you know, sat on those dead contracts that I think that uh, Marion Hosa doesn't seem like the kind of person who's going to surprise the Blackhawks and screw him over. He's not going to do that. Yeah. So, um, and, it, and like I said, he's not going to lose it. If they trade him to, you know, Arizona or, Car- or Carolina or whoever the next floor team is, he's not going to lose any sleep over it. His, his 81 is going in the rafters at the UC. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a given. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Oh, Billy had another question is what does Gates off season training look like? Italian beef three days or four days a week? Uh, <laughs> My off-season training, I, I, I'm i a year-round type of guy. I train year-round for this beer league that I play in. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so, anyway. That's beef uh, beef sandwich three days a week. Uh, Steve, Bar- uh, Steve Bennett, uh, the speculation about Q's tenure coming to an end in Chicago is hitting more mainstream media now. If uh, slash when it happens... Will it be a complete separation from the team, or will they try to bump Q up to the senior management spot? I think we kind of covered that earlier. They're gonna, I mean, if they're paying them, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna bump him up somewhere in the back office, somewhere, and let him have a cozy job where he can work from home for, you know, six out of the seven days a week until someone else signs him. That is, yeah. But, uh, also, is it more likely Stan promotes from within? Or does he look externally for someone fresh? I really honestly think that um, he's going to look internally 
because he's going to try to cultivate from inside the franchise, someone who's familiar with the franchise. But if something jumps out, if some unexpected coach or someone becomes free or someone shows a little bit of interest, I don't, I don't think he's going to be uh, completely opposed to, to, you know, finding, picking someone else from another uh, organization. I think he's kind of open to what, whatever's out there. Uh, but only he really knows that right now. Yeah. So, um, let's see, Jackie Davis. She's, she's been very vocal on the, uh, the Facebook pages, but I think this might be her first question uh, with all the auditions going on in the last couple of weeks, which prospects in recent trade acquisitions, do you see anything? Uh, what are your thoughts so far on Martinson? So that's that kind of piggybacks on the back of Beth Sweeney's question as well. Uh, go, what's your opinion of uh, Andreas Martinson? Uh, here's what I think about Andreas Martinson. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he's a guy. He's probably not gonna. He's probably not gonna get more than ten goals in a season. Then again, neither is Patrick Sharp. Hello, <laughs> hello, uh, hey, <laughs> all knowing um, people on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but the thing about Andre, Andreas Martinson that really jumps out at me is that if you're out in the ice with him your head has to be on a swivel. Um, and he's not just like Brandon Bullig or um, trying to think, uh, you know, who we could acquaint him, but he is a big guy and he can really move. I mean, he can, he can skate. Um, so he's all over the ice. Um, he's causing trouble wherever he's going. Um, and I, I think, you know, he's one of those guys that uh, if you, if you get him out there in the right situation, in the right role, um, he can be very effective in terms of getting inside the heads of opponents. Um, and again, if he was if he was a guy who couldn't really skate a regular shift and couldn't couldn't contribute on some level beyond hitting people, um, I, I wouldn't be so high on him. But I, I I actually think that you know if you put him on a fourth line, um, maybe across from John Hayden, and you put you know maybe Camp between them, or even possibly Henestrosa between them, um, you know you you could have a really disruptive really difficult to play against fourth line um, that would go out and put some, put some marks on people. And, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see. Um, I, 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 I like Martinson again. I think um, he's one of those guys who plays on the edge and um, he may occasionally take a dumb penalty or a bad penalty. Um, but um, I don't know. He's a, he's a guy that I, you know, if they can, if they can develop him and get a little more out of him in terms of defensive responsibility and, and, uh, you know, pitching a goal now and then, uh, I I think he's a great guy to have around personally. Yeah, he, he and he's affordable, right? So, right. I, I mean, you got him for Kyle Bond. So, right. at, at this point, you're winning. It, it, no matter what you do with him, even if you let him yeah, go, you point, won. That's an epic all-time win. Yeah, you won that trade. So, I I like Martinson too. I think he's big. He, he moves well. He's got pretty good hands. Um. He's kind of like maybe a, a little bit of a better version of uh, the man shitter and Bolig. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I mean that's kind of they they kind of like that in their tough guy that that kind of moves you know can move well and has a little bit of hands. I think yep. Martinson's a pretty you know as far as far as big guys go, he's pretty talented and he can move pretty well and yeah. he seems to be you know well liked by uh, at least the people in Rockford and from what I can tell on the Blackhawks, he seems to be like a well liked you know, locker room guy. So I, I'm not, I'm not opposed to, you know, keeping them around on the fourth line. Cause I, you know, I, I don't need to see, uh, you know, a bunch of midgets on the fourth line. 
I don't, I don't think it's going to do the Blackhawks any good. So if you could put a, some size on the fourth line that can play good in the defensive zone, not get, your, get you killed, win some face-offs, maybe kill some penalties, you're good to go. Yeah. So um, I talked about this a couple times. I think I talked on it, talked about it with uh, Zoe as well, but Crypto Honky, Crypt, Crypto Honky, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not even gonna. I'm not gonna try and contemplate what, what's going on with that. But um, <laughs> Crypto Honky says, "Do you think there will be any takers for 19 or seven, considering our contracts versus contracts versus production?" My opinion, um, sure, there would be people that would take uh, Taves. I don't think Blackhawks are gonna unload them for anything less than a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and seven, no one wants them. Yep, agreed. There would be a pretty a surprisingly significant market for Taves, in spite of the reports that his that he's no longer can play, and there Seabrook's contract is just an albatross. If Seabrook were making five million a year, based upon especially how he's played the last twenty thirty games mm-hmm. or so, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you might get something for him. But the problem is he makes closer to seven million. The contract lasts until two thousand fifty seven. The end of time. Um, it's just, you know, it, it's, it's, as you and I have talked about, it's probably after the next CBA, it's going to be a compliance buyout. And, you know, again, he's a guy who will be an ambassador for the team or what have you um, for years to come. And so be it. Oh, God. Brent Seabrook's contract is so long. <laughs> Thank you, Dave Lozo. Uh, yeah, that's, you're not going to get rid of seven. He's, he's staying here. Uh, Brent Seabrook's not going to be going anywhere anytime soon, uh, short of uh, short of the lockout when he'll probably be uh, amnesty or compliance bought out, and uh, that will end that. So just just like I said, if it makes you feel any better, take two million dollars off of his contract, just scribble it right off the, the your your right. cap friendly page, and throw it on maybe Alex DeBrincat or throw it on right. whoever uh, Dylan Sakura. Who cares? If it'll make you feel better, then do that. But right now, you're just going to have to deal with it. He's he's not going anywhere. And and if you were to to, to get rid of him, and and we had to we had to see Stan Bowman throw in Tavo Teravainen to get rid of a one year of Brian Beckles' contract. Imagine what you have to get, what you have to throw in to get rid of like six or five or six years of Brett Seabrook's contract. So yeah, just just think about that. But yeah, again, like you said with with Taves. There are teams out there who would take him, and I'm sure there are there are a good portion of teams out there in the NHL who think if he came here, we could turn him around. Yeah, and and I mean, based on his skill set and his experience and all that stuff, I don't think that you know they'd be wrong in possibly thinking that either. So you know, I, I think he's still a good player, and I think he can have a bounce back year with the right supporting cast. And uh, so, I'm a believer in, in Jonathan Taves. So I'm not bailing on that guy. No, I totally, I'm with you too. Um, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, I mean, and again, I, I don't, I, I'm not guessing that this in, injury is anything really serious. I think it's, you know, they, they announced today that he's not going to play in the, um, in the, in the world uh, championships for Canada, Yeah, which is a big deal. That's a big deal in Canada. Yeah. You know, um, he and Crosby are, are really, you know, kind of the face of hockey in Canada and, and, uh, um, but he's not going to do it. And, um, you know, and playing when you're a Canadian kid playing for Canada, you know, playing for your country is a big deal. And uh, I know it is for him, too. And um, so he's not he's not going to do it. And, and I think 
you know, it's, it's, it's probably all about, you know, extending his career and, and perhaps recapturing, you know, some of that, uh, juice that he, uh, um, you know, he showed flashes this year, Yeah. you know, and then he had some games where he disappeared, but, um, you know, th- then again, you know, and people, people forget, I mean, yeah, they brought side back, but they lost Marion Hosa. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? They all want to blame Brandon Saad. One of the best two way forwards in the history of the game, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, you know, um, and the, the replace Richard Panic and, and, uh, Anthony Duclair. So, yeah. there you go. yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, I think, I think he's, he's going to be in Chicago and, and hopefully he's going to be, uh, you know, a contributor to turning this team around next year. Yeah. I, I, I believe in the guy. So, uh, I think it can happen and, I'm going to gladly pat myself on the back when it does happen. So, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Seabrook, on the other hand, we know what he is. He's, he's not, you know, he's on the wrong side of 30. He's, uh, you know, you just got to find a spot where he fits. He, we know he's slow, but he's smart and he's respected and being going back to respected. A lot of people want to poo poo this because they want it to just be NHL 18. They want it to be a video game with no personalities and, and nothing, you know, no extracurricular stuff on the side. They just want, you know, they just want a name on the screen or whatever. But Jonathan Taze is one of the, the most respected players in the NHL as well. Trading one of the most respected players in the NHL away might not be something that Stan Bowman or anyone in this organization organization really would want to do at this point in time. So, Right. Uh, and the same with Seabrook. I mean... They would trade him now because, you know, his money, but uh, he's still a very respected person in the NHL and in especially in the Blackhawks locker room. So, Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, our boy, Mr. White Sox history, Josh, <laughs> uh, says, if Q goes, uh, does Stan Bowman go? How can you keep both or how can you keep one without the other? Um I think if anyone goes, it's just going to be one at this point in time. I don't know that John McDonough really wants to upset the apple cart by uh, dumping two people, especially a head coach and a sta- and a, a general manager. But I could very well see them bringing them both back to next year. So, yeah, I mean, probably most likely they're both back. I mean, um, you know, it's funny though. I mean, John McDonough. He's a guy who who hates the stink of failure. You know, it's not that he hates failure so much. He hates the stink of failure. He does, you know, the perception that the Hawks are a tarnished brand or a brand in decline that that drives him insane. So you know, he's he's a guy who's going to want to try to shake things up for for the sake of public consumption this summer. And and so a big move, a big change, um, I could see. But it's only going to be a big change that he could come out and say and, and get people to believe very quickly will improve the team yeah, and and shake things up for the better. I mean, he's not going to go out and fire Bowman and, and replace him with uh, Al McIsaac, know, the, the general manager of the Plymouth Whalers. Yeah. You know, it's 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 going to be a name. It's going to be a name. It's going to be like, you know, like a, somebody of the profile of like a Glenn Sather or Dean uh, Lombardi. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, um, you know, same thing with Q. I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, I just how does it go over? How do you sell? We fired Joe Quenville and we hired Elaine Vigneault. I mean, it's just I mean, who's going to who's going to really embrace that, you know, full throatedly? Nobody, you know, so I, I, I just I don't see it. So, again, it, it could happen to either or both. 
um, one or the other or both. But, uh, you know, chances are they're both still going to be here. I mean, my concern is, is I just some of these moves Bowman's made and going back to the, the contracts, you know, the Eric Gustafson and, and um, Ruta, um, you know, Osterley, um, you know, I just I just question I, Bowman seems to always want to double down on bad decisions. I mean, Thomas Yurko, if Bowman's still GM, Thomas Yurko is going to be here next year. You know, um, yeah, I was laughing about that in that game against uh, the Jets when he scored two goals. I'm like, oh, yeah. he just won himself another contract. Yeah, and you know, one of them was like a tap in of a great pass by uh, one of them was from behind the net, wasn't it? Yeah, it was in. Was it secured? No, it was. Uh, I don't know. Somebody somebody laid the puck right on his tape though, and he, he slammed it home. Good, you know. But and then there was one from right behind the net. Yeah, that he scored too. That was a real fluky goal. And um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's just I, I don't know. I just I just feel like Bowman tries to force the narrative with these guys. I mean, um, you know, David Runblad got one too many contracts in Chicago. You know, yeah. and. Uh, it just can, it concerns me when I, and then he makes statements like, Oh, this, this team's going to look very much next year. Like it does this year. Oh God. I hate when he says that. <laughs> oh, right. I mean, um, so it, he's the one I have concern about. I have much greater concern about him as far as this team turning around next year than I do about, about Quenville. Cause, uh, you know, Quenville, if you get him the right pieces, he's going to make this thing work. He's shown he can do it. Yeah. Which we have kind of, alluded to a couple times that maybe possibly Stan Bowman wasn't giving him the, the, the tools that he needs for his system and for, you know, what he desires. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's kind of hung on to guys that because they, they you know, they fit what he wants. So yeah. it's been kind of like a, that power struggle, um, which is getting old, but yeah, to the extent that's true. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he, I've heard different things. Yeah. Uh, Josh actually had another question. Gate, when you get your ATO with the Blackhawks, uh, no one wants me. <laughs> no one wants a, four, a five foot six, five foot seven uh, beer league goalie that's forty four years old. So, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. But I don't know. I, I don't think. I think you were you were pretty high up the depth chart the other night. <laughs> I offered my services. I, I you know I tweeted at him and uh, I didn't get a I didn't I did not get a call the next day. So maybe they didn't want me writing about it on Twitter. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think anyone wants it. Plus, I you know I, I don't know that I'm at that level. Back to the Scott Foster thing. I mean, he played the elite level at Johnny's Ice House, which is ex NHL players, ex AHL players, like ex you know European players, good top level players. So yeah. he's seeing good shots. Yeah, you know, it may be men's league, but he's seeing a good quality shot. I'm yeah. playing in a D league, <laughs> just right. just because I enjoy playing. You know, I, I'm past you know, playing that kind of com- competitive level. So any, any joking you see is purely just me being facetious and joking and, and, and making a joke out of it. It would never happen. So nor, nor am I under any kind of delusions that it would happen. Um, so, well, you know, anyway, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Back <laughs> in the box, Laz and Boober GWC. Uh, if you had to replace a GM and a coach at the end of the year, who would your, your choices I, I think we've kind of really hit on this. Um, me, I would, if, if I was going to do it, I, I would go off the board somewhere. If if you're going to do that, kind of go off the board and find someone, uh, something new and exciting. 
but uh, I I don't even know who that would be at this point in time. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, uh, I will say this: I think I, I think the, the the proven formula for turning teams around is GMs who are who are hockey guys um, who come from a scouting background. I mean. You know, the, there's, there's been this debate that's raged between Dale Talon and, and Stan Bowman, you know, who's the better GM. You know, but the reality of it is, is that, you know, Bowman's, Bowman's expertise really lies in, in sort of executive functioning and in cap management. That's his background. Um, although, you know, his father's a Hall of Fame coach, obviously, so he's been around the game, but um, and not to discount that, you know, but Talon came from a scouting background. And you know, Talon is the guy who went out and, and made the big, big draft picks when, you know, honestly, there was pressure to pick other guys, especially the year that Taves was picked. There were a lot of people wanting him to take Phil Kessel, you know, uh-huh. and, um, um, you know, Talon's the guy who, who made the big trades for Patrick Sharp and for Christopher Stieg and, and um, you know, uh, but Bowman, you know, did the nice job of tinkering around the edges and maintaining the cap and, you know, doing the sell-offs without destroying the core, et cetera, et cetera. So they were the right guys for different times. And I think the Hawks are starting to transition into a, a, a period now where they need more of a builder, you know, more of more of a pure, you know, guy from a pure scouting background. I think, you know, for example, Yarmo Kekalainen has done a, a fantastic job in Columbus. Um, you know, that was a, a franchise that was floundering for two decades and, you know, with John Davidson, a hockey guy as president, and Yarmo Kekalainen, a guy who came from a pure scouting background as GM, um, you know, that's a team that's turned around. And, um, uh, you know, they're not doing as well this year in the regular season as they did last year, but lately they've been playing lights out and at a good time. Um, and if uh, Bobrovsky's on in the playoffs, they could they could be a really dangerous team. So I would like to see if they if – they, did bring in a new GM. I'd like to see them bring in somebody who's a, who's a, you know, more from a scouting background um, is maybe a little more aggressive, a little more shoot from the hip like Talon was. Um, but then again, it requires John McDonough to kind of step back and let the guy do his job, which he's shown he has a hard time doing. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah. I couldn't even name names, but I would take me a little time to like search for some names, but. Yeah, I I don't know at this point in time. Uh, if I think if you're if you're replacing GM and coach, uh, you're in you're you got to be considered in full rebuild because you're starting from scratch basically. Um, that's that's my thoughts on that. Uh, otherwise, if you're going to just do one, maybe you're kind of in the uh, we're not happy with the you know the your recent performance. Um, and uh, if you don't let them go, you kind of think that you know next year you can kind of maybe. Slip back in, uh, have a good year, and get back into the playoffs and be back in the mix with the current uh, coach and GM. So that's just well, I don't know. I mean, because I'll just say this: if if um, if the results aren't dramatically, so let's assume you know, let's assume that they do get Crawford back next year. Um, if the results with with this team aren't dramatically better, like back in the playoffs and really on the sort of on the uptick, the upswing as a franchise going into 2019-2020, then I, I, I don't know how, what, the, what the argument is for keeping Bowman around or, or Quenville. I mean, I, I, I don't see it. I mean, these guys are, are kind of running out of second chances at this point. I mean, because the last two years um, were, were disappointing with the first-round exits, 
and the wheels came off this year. So yeah, I mean, sure if it have. doesn't if it doesn't get get fairly dramatically better next year, a and then b look even better for the following year, then you know I, I don't I don't know what what the, what the current regime is being kept around for. Yeah, which then would indicate that they they it's some kind of a rebuild. Some, I think we're already started. I think the rebuild has already started. Yeah, personally, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, to 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 a degree, yeah, they're kind of in that half it's like tear down. The... It's not a tear down. No, um, because they're not they're not auctioning off the contracts. Although, you know, if February next year they're they're outside looking in on the playoffs and. You know, it's just more of a of a mess. I mean, I could see them starting to look at moving some of those contracts. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we kind of mentioned earlier, and I, I'm just going to circle back a little bit as we start to close out these questions because we're done with the questions for right now. Um, just looking at you know what the Blackhawks could do this summer as far as like UFA, RFA, um, and you know, it, I, I think we're both in agreement that you know maybe defense needs to take a priority. And then, you know, maybe a depth center or something like that, you know, in the system, unless they think that Victor Edsel could be that depth center. They may or may or, not. Yeah. Or they, they move Schmaltz or Anisimov and they, they try to seriously up, upgrade that number two center spot. I mean, we, and it would take more than either one of them. It would take either one of them plus some other assets to do that. But, um, I don't know. I, I I just you know I don't think adding another David Camp, even if he's good in the dot, is really helps the team that dramatically much. I think it's 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 truly a, a it's a second line center. I, I really think is what they need. I mean, Anisimov is is fine as a third line center. Yeah, it, it's just expensive. That's all. Yeah. That 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 money doesn't. I don't know. I, I think that, as far as if you're going to clear up money, that's probably going to be a spot. I think where it's going to go. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, I like Nick Schmaltz. Um, he's he's taken a, a, a he's taken a whole leap this year. I mean, he's turned into one of the better players on the Blackhawks. So um, I'm kind of hoping that he may take you know take that can, next leap. You know, he can skate like the wind. He's he's got buttery hands, really good vision. Um, there was a game. I think it was one of the the recent games where he pulled up to avoid a hit and didn't get a puck deep. And it, it was it was a it was a bad play, and it was kind of indicative of a guy who's who's skating a little scared, um, you know. And I know he's had he's had concussions too. And then you know the other issue is is that he's just he's completely ineffective in the faceoff dot, and that's a big part of the job. And uh, so I mean it's 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 that paradox. I mean, do you sit around and wait for him? to completely flesh himself out as a center, or maybe he never does. Or do you deal him now? Um, because he still shows some, a lot of promise and he's, he clearly has some, some skill and ability. Um, you know, do, do you deal him to, to get as part of a package to get that player in who, you know, you plug in and is going to be your second line center. I, I you know, it's, I think it's, it's an interesting choice for the Hawks because I mean, I know there's a lot of people who are in love with Schmaltz and, and, you know, put him right up there with Kane. I, I'm not sold yet. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not completely sure his, his best position is center number one. And then number two, I mean, you know, is, is he going to kind of mature as a player 
and, you know, really work through the physical parts of the game because sometimes he doesn't seem quite that willing. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a bigger Schmaltz fan than I wasn't last year than you oh, are. Me too, me too. I think I think they hang on to him. Uh, they got him they got him cost controlled for a while. I yeah. think they hang on to him for a little bit. Maybe, you know, but that's also part of his appeal to yeah. another team yeah. in a trade, yeah. you know? Well, so going back to the defense, these are just some names and it, it, please it, grab yourself a vomit bag because this is, this is your name of UFA defenseman that the Blackhawks can probably, you know, start looking at. Mm-hmm. So you have, um, you know, the top of the list, and, I, and I'm doing this by points. I'm, 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 I've got this sorted by points. John Carlson, Mike Green, Dan Hamhuse, and then it really drops off. Thomas Hickey, Ian Cole, Kevin Connaughton, John Moore, Brandon Manning, Nick Holden, and then, you know, the uh, Kelvin DeHaan may be interesting because he's a UFA, um, but he's making $3 million right now. I don't know, that, you know. Jack Johnson's in there, Alexi Emelin, uh, Michael Kempney, Johnny Oduya, right there. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I don't know. You know, Andre Schuster, Luke Shen, Toby Enstrom, Dennis Seidenberg. Uh, you're going to have to, um, you know, you're, they're going to have to be creative with what they do. I mean, unless they're going to go out there and throw a boatload of money at John Carlson. And I don't know that 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 necessarily fixes your problems at all. Yeah. Um, you know, who knows how he's going to play here with the Blackhawks, but if they do it, I I can't fault them for trying. He's a right-handed defenseman. He's only 28 years old. He's a UFA. He's got 66 points this year. He's he made 4 million dollars, so he's going to uh, you know, he's going to require a raise. I can't fault them if they try. <clears throat> Yeah, he's there's going to be a big market for him. He'll end up getting overpaid like Osner did um yep. last summer. Um so I mean there's so, but you know you never know. I mean the Hawks may kick tires on it and they may decide it's worth 6 million a year to get him, you know. Yeah. Um uh you know here's you know another possibility and if you know that the Hawks just completely luck out and they win the draft lottery and they take Rasmus Dahlin, you know, and plug him right in next year. And, and, uh, that could be amazing. I mean, um, I, there's all the other possibility is a trade. Um, and you know, again, um, you know, does <laughs> that's where Bowman concerns me because, you know, he talks about, um, the team, you know, next year's team looking like this year's team. And it, so that makes it sound like you, you really feel you've got these assets that are completely worth keeping and, you know, that he's just not going to, he's just not going to be able to pull off a big move. Now, then again, maybe he's playing poker and that's smart poker to, to sort of build up the perception of the assets you have and, and not look like you're panicking. Um, so who knows? Um, hey, oh, panic. Right. <laughs> right. We tried that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, the UFAs or the RFAs, I mean, you're, you're, you're kind of limited at that. I mean, they, uh, teams right. can match deals if you were to put it on offer sheet. Um, unless you completely go out there and, and overpay for a guy, uh, you know, with a team that's, that's really struggling at the cap, you're not going to get, you know, people are going to match those. And, and Right. Uh, Our, RFA, the RFA market is really not the way to go. It's not even a market. I don't think, Yeah, but right. there is one interesting member of the RFA market. Number 15 on my list, Trevor Van Riemsdyk. 
That's very what? difficult for a man of my intelligence to handle. <laughs> but, you know, for example, a guy who I know the Hawks really were trying to get last summer um, that, you know, maybe could be cajoled out of a team like the Vegas Golden Knights would be Nate Schmidt. You know, yeah. that type that type of guy um, who's not, you know, a really big name, but he's a guy that, you know, um, uh, you know, plays a pretty good brand of hockey up and down the ice. And, um, you know, so you, know, you never know. I mean, there's there's guys out there that could be that can be unearthed and, and brought in and, and um, you know, could really do well. Um, the, the problem is, is they've they've been trying that the last couple of years and with very limited results. Yeah. You know, like the Osterleys and, and um, you know, the players of that nature. So. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and Vegas does owe them a favor because they. Uh, yeah. You know, they're there's still that uh, player to be named later or future consideration. Well, Vegas still owes yeah, the Blackhawks. Yeah. They're not going to just hand over Nate Schmidt. But I right, mean, yeah. if you put together a package for Schmidt. Yeah. Um, you know, who knows? I mean, and he's just one example. I mean, there are other guys out there. You, you never know. I mean, and, you know, there are probably GMs calling Stan Bowman about certain guys like DeBrinkett, like Schmaltz. Um, of course. You know, I, there, I think there was some interest in Anisimov um, before the deadline. At least I heard there was, um, you know, that there were some teams. Columbus in particular was was really hot for Anisimov. And uh, um, so, uh, you know, you, you never know. I mean, you know, maybe maybe they can pull something together via the trade market. I think they got to get that defenseman because this this defense and I don't care how in love people are with with Gustafson and um, or, you know, people claim that Ruta's a top four guy. Uh, you know, this defense, this defense has got some real holes in it right now. Yeah. And, and kind of shifting over to the center side, there's not a whole lot there as far as the UFAs go either. Um, yeah, you know, Paul Stasny, the Sedins who retired, um, Tyler Bozak, Riley Nash, Ryan Spooner. I mean, none of these really, uh, know. I think is, uh, is a free agent this summer too. I think, uh, I don't see him on the list. Uh, uh maybe not. I thought he was a guy, a guy who I really like, but I, he's an RFA and, uh, well, I don't know. De- Detroit's had problems with him. was a- Andreas and Athanasiu. I really like that guy. Yeah. Um, you want to bring some speed to your team, you yeah. know, again, but I think I, 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 I you know, it's funny cause I, I, I heard this from one of my sources that, um, was in a position to know that they were really, the Hawks were really actually quite hot for, uh, Matt Duchesne a couple of years ago. And they just, I think they got turned off by the amount of the amount that, uh, Joe Sackick was asking for in return. But, um, a guy like Duchesne would, is really checks a lot of boxes because, speed and he's 55 percent on face-offs and he can kill penalties and he can he can pitch in offensively and um you know that that's the kind of guy i think that they really could use but there aren't a lot of guys out there like that you know no, but aren't. you know again you never know no then I'm, I'm going down this list i mean boone jenner maybe but he's an yeah. rfa um Plukanic, there I did find him. Uh, I, w- I wasn't sorting by salary. I was sorting by points. He's coming off a $6 million a year cap hit, um, and he's going to be 35 could, years old. Yeah, yeah, and he's getting a little long in the tooth, too. But, like, for example, you know, what if you could move a an Artem Anisimov back to Columbus? Because, again, there was interest there, and you'd probably have to package something else, but you could get a guy like Alex Wenberg. 
you know, who's a pure center, very skilled, really good passer, really good setup guy. You never know. I mean, again, it's 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 creativity, and you know, it's 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 making deals. Um, and uh, I, I hope Bowman goes into the summer with that mindset, you know, of trying to trying to make something happen, and not just not just the usual salary dump yeah. trades that that he's been forced to make. I mean, make some hockey deals. Yeah, some value for value hockey deals. Uh, let's see, JT Miller, who plays all three forward positions, he's on RFA this year, but um, I don't know that necessarily uh, Tampa Bay is going to be able to pay him. Yeah, uh, and I'm just rattling off names. I don't know how possible any of this stuff is, but um, you know, hey, Kevin Hayes is going to be on RFA. You want to bring him yeah. in? <laughs> uh, so I don't know. All right, well, I think that wraps it up. I think we're I think we're good, right? right. We're gonna wrap it up. That's right. it. Cool. Awesome. Well. After all that hockey talk, you can find all of our wonderful content on www.the-rink.com. You can find us on all the popular social media at The Rink Official. You can find The Rinkcast account at The Rinkcast. You can find me, gatekeeper Jeff Osborne, at Puck and Hostel. You can find you, Mr. Jekyll, John Jekyll, at J-A-E-C-K-E-L on the Twitters. If you get a chance, please head over to iTunes, write and review us. I wasn't able to check today, but... Uh, I was able to check last week and we didn't have any new reviews. So please, you know, put your review in. If you, if you put a good comical one in there, you get a good read on the air, get a good laugh out of it. But we don't, we would appreciate that. Um, you put a bad one in there. It's fake news. <laughs> it's fake news, but I will still read it. You, you could, you could say whatever read, you want. You'll read it to yourself. I, I will promise to read it on the air. I if you, if you take the time to go out there, um, I will take, I will promise to read it on the air. Um, I would like to send a couple of shout outs. Like I said a little bit earlier, the around the guys on the around the boards podcast. Um, they're, they're a bunch of nice guys. They're, uh, you know, different fans of different teams all around the league. Uh, you could check them out. They, they seem to be uh, put a you know, good amount of uh, production into their podcast. And there were a, a bunch of fun guys to hang out with. Uh, you know, I'd like to guest on them with them sometime or maybe have one or one or a couple of them come on ours sometime. But, uh, you know, you can give them a listen too. There's room for everybody. And also I want to give a shout out to the Delia family. Um, very nice people. I met a lot of them, uh, in, uh, Denver. Very, very nice people. Very gracious. And, uh, you know, uh, just want to give them a little bit, uh, uh, you know, congratulations on Colin's success and all that good stuff. So, um, John, you got any other, uh, plugs or anything you want to? Well, I have no plugs. No plugs. Um... Just, oh, well, of course, the, the, the consistent plug of puckhockey.com, P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com, our good friends and, and exclusive sponsors of the rink.com. Um, and we are still eagerly anticipating the, uh, the launch of the rink.com line, clothing line at Puck Hockey. We were hoping that it would be the hottest thing in the 2017-18 NHL season. <laughs> now we're, we're more, um, we're excited to announce it's going to be the hottest thing next season. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there you 2018, go. 2019 season. But uh, um, we will uh, we will let you guys all know when that when that comes to final fruition. We have seen the initial designs and uh, we know it's in the works um, and good things come to those who wait. Yeah. And thanks to our boy, Patrick Judge, for uh, repping our sponsor. <laughs> With the yes. uh, yeah, with with the Marion Hosa shirt. Even though they're, we had several people ask if they were still available. Unfortunately, they're not. They were on clearance. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a really cool shirt. Too. Yeah, for sure. So, 
yeah, the, uh, good call on that one, PuckHockey.com. They have the Snoop, the Snoop Dogg uh, line of stuff and a lot of metal jerseys and things like that. So, uh, And I also, in, in coming podcasts, we're going to have you know some more uh, guests. I'm still going to get uh, Glover, Jeff Glover on. We're still going to get Mark from Periphery on. And uh, who knows? Charlie Rumoyotis um, has agreed to come on. We're going to get him on. Um, USHL scout Sean White yep. is a, a, a gentleman who's agreed to join us for a show. And uh, we've got a couple others that we've, yeah. we've talked to as yeah, well. Yeah, we just got back up. Oh, yeah, I want to say congratulations, Sean White. He announced today that uh, they're expecting their second child. They are. So they our are boy, Sean White. Like I, I like Sean a lot. He's a really good guy. Good dude. Uh, friend of the rink. Yes, down to earth, and he will definitely be on. So we have, we'll have guests lined up. We're going to continue to go on through the offseason. I don't know what kind of schedule we're going to go on, but we are going to continue through the offseason. And, uh, you know, it, it may be like an every other week kind of thing because news is a little slow at different periods, but, um, you know. But you know what? I think I, I'm guessing we're going to be fairly busy between now and July. Well, probably the middle of July. Because I think this is going to be, a, you know, first of all, you know, the draft is a big deal for the Hawks this year. The Hawks are going to be in the draft lottery. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what what are the, the ramifications of that? And then uh, I think you, you could probably plan on some maybe some fairly significant moves in June. Um, and if there's going to be any changes to the to the, you know, to the front office or coaching staff, those are going to happen. Those could happen as soon as like two weeks. So we're not we're not going to go anywhere. I think we're going to be fairly busy and fairly oh, yeah. in your face. Lots um, of writing, really, right up through mid and the, lots of lots of articles on the rink.com. And you know, um, I, I'm certain I'm going to start hearing some things from the people I talk to, um, mm-hmm. maybe as soon as you know this week, about what's what's in store for the off season. We'll be uh, tweeting that. We'll be putting that uh, on the website as well. And uh, all plans are that I will be hitting uh, prospect camp real hard this year. So. Uh, we'll have you know coverage on that as well. I'm I'm thinking Mario's going to be out there probably with me, and uh, we may see Aaron out there as well again. So we're going to hit that hard as well. Awesome. So, yeah. So why don't you choke on that, you big slap nut? <laughs> there you go. There's the JJ sound clip. You the, bet. Jeff Jarrett sound clip. So I think we're good. I think we're good here. We are. So, we're good here. Yeah. So everybody, thanks for yes. taking the time out of your busy schedule to download, listen, and support us. Until next episode. See you on the rink.